Oh, hey, didn't see you there. Welcome to Secondary Fermentation, presented by East Carolina Beer and Brewing, episode number 63. It's Nick back hosting again. I'm on lead host duty, which is a rare occurrence for me, but Joe has got some obligations. He's a really busy man. Hmm. Lauren, you know, she's got a small child. So. And Joe doesn't? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I think outside of his dad duties, um, this week was a little busy for him. And um, obviously having Lauren back last week was a treat because she's a busy mom right now and she's not mm-hmm. getting near enough sleep. And <laughs> even and though having Owen there, uh, oh my gosh, yeah. what a wise young boy. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed Owen Davis on the podcast last week. He made his appearance. If you didn't listen, tune into the episode 62, check that out. And we had our little guest baby last week, but um, Jen is back on the mic with me. Welcome, Jen. Thank you. Thank you. You thought you were rid of me. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> and we don't have a baby, but we have Pumpkin. Yeah. Our podcast bunny. Yes. <laughs> yeah, our podcast Ma- Mascot. <laughs> yeah, you know, Pumpkin, speaking of Pumpkin, we're getting into the mm. fall beer season. There's Pumpkin Ales on the horizon. Wow. A lot of different iterations of that. You've got the Atomic Pumpkin from mm-hmm. Sierra Nevada coming. Actually, I think it, I think I've seen it's... it out in the stores. I think it might be back already. Really? Um, Was that's the spicy one? Yes. That's good. That's I liked good it. One. It's a nice change of pace. You know, we've talked to some uh, fans of the pump the pumpkin beers and mm-hmm. some listeners, and uh, our friend Matt, who's a listener, he was talking about really liking all the different pumpkin iterations. Mm. And I think one thing that we, we really agreed on and we found some common ground was the higher ABV or like the higher gravity pumpkin ales really go. Uh, it really works well because of that like alcohol sweetness hmm. you get from it. Yeah. Uh, it goes well with, you know, kind of the, the fall spice and that right. pumpkin flavor. I don't typically like a really, really sweet dessert beer, Mm-mm. but I think I, I make exceptions for pumpkin beers just because... You know, you can get some cinnamon, some clove, mm-hmm. nutmeg, some of those adjunct spices. You can get some higher gravity ones that are eight, nine percent. I think Flying Dog has one that's pretty, pretty up there. What is Dunkin' Pumpkin? That's Harpin, right? Yes, and that's I don't know their like ABV. A coffee. That's a co- that one's good. Yeah, and there's a lot of those like one. pumpkin spice latte esque yeah. beers. The spicy pumpkin, the atomic pumpkin from Sierra Nevada. That one was pretty good. That's probably one of my favorites. Oh, it's New Belgium. I'm so sorry. Okay, Voodoo. yeah, because I was like, oh, I'm pretty I sure. Misspoke. I get those two mixed up in my head sometimes. But yeah, New Belgium Voodoo Has Ranger the atomic, series. That's right. Part of their Voodoo series, so my mm. apologies. Doesn't feel like pumpkin season yet down here, though. It's pretty pretty toasty still in North Carolina. Something like 90% humidity today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that made it particularly difficult this past weekend when Nick and I were doing the beer mile. Um, I think you talked about it. We mentioned it. it when we were last on, yeah. Yeah. It was very hot that day. I was just looking at the forecast. Today it was a high of 89. It still felt really warm. But we've had these thunderstorms, and it's like you get a reprieve in the morning. It kind of cools off with these mm-hmm. intermittent showers, but it's really not <laughs> gotten much cooler. <laughs> Overall, It's it's not dropping until... Thursday actually is a high of 75, so I that'll know. be a nice This day. weekend should be nice. 
So we're dropping a little bit. We're getting into fall, but fall in North Carolina is just not the same as some other parts of the world. Yes. But in addition to pumpkin beers, we're into Oktoberfest season. We're almost to September. Mm-hmm. When this comes out, we'll be on the verge of September. And with September comes Oktoberfest. <laughs> Which seems almost <laughs> counterintuitive, but uh, a lot of the Oktoberfest festivities take place in the month of September. They'll kind of run mid-September to late September. That's the traditional time of year. Some will run into October, of course, and mm-hmm. we'll see that. But thought we'd showcase a few. We've got a few local events coming up right in our backyard. We've mm-hmm. got Local Oak and Naughty Dog both having an Oktoberfest celebration on September 16th. That's a nice one to go to. You're actually drinking have a Naughty Dog glass over there, so that's yeah. pretty cool. But we've been to that, I think, the last two or three years since really they've had had that going on. They, you know, have their fest beer and Meritson releases. Mm-hmm. Cask. A I cask, do yeah. This year. Ben Self, the, the head of uh, one of the co-owners of Local Oak Brewing Company and the, uh, the head brewer, he has done a casked ale. I think one year it was like a baby Meritzen, he called it, and then he did a Kolsch one year cast. So getting a nice cast beer is always just a fun thing. And usually for that, what they do is they take donations for a local foundation yeah. or charity, which is always cool. Instead of, yeah. you know, pay for a beer, you're kind of paying, for, you know, making a donation in good faith and getting the beer as a Drinking reward. for charity. <laughs> yeah, drink, we're it's drinking for charity. not because I want this beer. It's because it's for the kids. Or the animals or whatever charity they're going Mm -hmm. for this year but yeah so we'll have that coming up i'm excited i hope we can make it to both of those it's nice they're the same day and they're down the street from each other yeah and important to note that they're you know free to attend necessarily but then you you know pay for the beers and food and Mm -hmm. activities and things like that you know i actually didn't mention we're drinking yeah an octoberfest beer right now it's a beer from highwire yep how do you, how, sipping we, on a Meritzen. This is a Zirkus Fest from Highwire Brewing Company. I believe I've had this at least the last couple of years. But uh, Joe, in good faith, gave us a couple beers to take home since <laughs> we're... the least he could do. <laughs> we're doing all the work carrying this podcast on our back. <laughs> so he's like, here's some beer for you hardworking folks. Maybe we but, should uh, tell Joe to just fast forward through the first 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, Joe, if you're still listening, I, I don't mean it. Um, yeah, so gave us a can of this to split. That was perfect timing because I had already planned to kind of go through some of these upcoming Oktoberfest events and worked out. So Worked out, yeah. Um, but yeah, Zir- Zirkus Fest, it's noted as a really malty, crisp lager beer. I think it, it looks really well for the style. It's got that really amber, gold hue. Yeah, it looks like still apple juice. I don't know when you poured it. Do you see much head? Not much. So it's pretty pretty still, but it does have a crisp mouthfeel, despite it not looking really effervescent or bubbly. Really malty. Yeah, just very clean. It, crisp. You know, we, we've talked about this before, and I'll probably mention it a thousand times, but any type of lager... It's really important to get it done right and have a a quality, clean product because there's not a lot of room to hide imperfections in a lager. Really impressed with this one. It's It's very very clean tasting. Yeah. Um, Back to our Oktoberfest events. We also have another local one 
Um, we have Pitt Street is another brewery we have here in town, and they're doing a um, Oktoberfest on the 30th of September. Um, I think they're making it like a little market, too, and having some vendors out there. Um, so that should be fun downtown. So we'll have a good two weeks to recover from Local Oaks and Naughty Dogs, and then we'll be right back in the groove of it, have our steins at the ready. Oh, yeah. Our dirndls dry clean. <laughs> yeah, and we got some, at least I did, I got a little commemorative stein maybe a couple of years ago from Pitt Street. Yeah. Some The small plastic steins are kind of cool. Actually, no, it was and glass. And you have a glass one, yeah. Yeah. The plastic ones we've gotten from Casita. Yep, also on the list. Casita's coming up. Yeah, Casita's, it looks like theirs will be in October, so October 15th. Um, they, you can attend for free, and they have different events, and they have a German band, and it's very fun. They teach some German dances. We've had a lot of fun there the last few years at Casitas, but then you also can pay for a Stein, and then you get to try their four Oktoberfest beers. So I think in the past they've had a Märzen, they've had a Fest beer, they've had a Radler, and then... I think usually a Kolsch is a Kolsch. the fourth. Last year I believe that's what it was. And, yeah. And I think one year it was like a either a grapefruit rattler or a blood orange rattler yeah i think they've done one of each but you know traditional german Mm -hmm. style beer is really nice and we've been you know last year when we went to it it was just the two of us and it was really nice it was really busy also Mm -hmm. very hot still it was but i think this year since it's mid-october we might luck out and have it be a touch cooler but it's if you haven't been to casita it's right across it's, it's in historic Wilson, North Carolina. It's mm-hmm. right across from this really gig park. Really beautiful location. The building is really rustic mm-hmm. and it's got a lot of history to it. And the owners, they've had a, a long history working their way up through the craft beer industry. The head brewers worked with Hill Farmstead in the Northeast. And now they do a lot of collaborations with them, which is really cool because we get some of them, uh, the Hill Farmstead beer down here in North yeah. Carolina. But uh, the tickets, yeah, you mentioned uh, you can buy like the the steins and get a ticket in. I believe it's twenty five dollars if you go to casitabrews dot com. Go to their merch link. You can buy tickets mm-hmm. there now. You can also get like a DD ticket if you have somebody who wants to attend right, yeah. and not drink. You won't get the the beverages, but you can pop in and have some food, enjoy the live yeah. music. And they have and local oak has this too, but they have a stein holding competition, which is always fun to try to test your strength and then feel very sore the next day and then mm-hmm. they do a is it mr and mrs oktoberfest or something like that yeah, or like king and queen king yeah. and queen yes yeah, so it is it's a lot of fun yeah and the the first year that we went to it which was two years ago mm-hmm. they you know had a, a, a little german band type yeah. you know live band playing and they had people dancing and they were trying to show people the yeah. traditional dance moves and we went out there and we did our best and they begged <laughs> us fun. to come back the next year they were like you guys are just too good at this yeah we need you yeah we, we were too busy to to teach the classes the following year but <laughs> you know, we still wanted to show up year. and support them yeah that's a fun um, one though i'm looking forward to that's that very fun, I, hope yeah. we, I hope we have nothing on the calendar that day uh, yeah i don't know if i work we'll yeah. see um, I skipped over one, we or a couple, actually. There's Red Oak has their Oktoberfest, um, also on the 30th of September. That's a bit of a hike for us, probably two hours. 
yeah. I'd say, driving um, from Greenville out west. Um, and I've not been to their Oktoberfest. Have you, Nick? No, I haven't. I've actually only been to the, the beer garden the one time or the beer oh, house yeah. when we went. Uh, it was, you were coming back from Charlotte, I think, maybe. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, after COVID, they've kind of slowly increased their hour or like, I guess, the foot traffic into the logger house. Right. They, they've kind of, it's it's not super open. It was closed open. for a while. Yeah. And but tours. I don't know if they're doing tours. Tours are back now. I okay. saw that when I was looking online today. So Red Oak Brewing has tours back on Fridays. It's at like 430 <laughs> not a great time so you kind of take a day off if you're going to do that but it would be cool to check it out mm-hmm. but yeah their their Oktoberfest would be a nice one just because you know they do a lot of Bavarian style beers they have a you know a really rich culture in that style so yeah we'll see if maybe maybe one year we'll be able to make it yeah I think we must have gone like right after Oktoberfest season or something because I think they still had their Oktoberfest beer on tap. Yeah. That you'd I, I, did, I did have, I had their Oktoberfest. Yeah, I just get so excited about Mason <laughs> and Fest beers. Um, yeah, that, that'll be one that maybe we'll have to keep our eyes on. And yeah. And next up is uh, more of like a regional and not a specific brewery's Oktoberfest, but in Cary, North Carolina, they have the tri- Triangle Oktoberfest, which will be a two day event. October 6th and 7th, they have a Friday evening event. And then the next day, they've got two different sessions. There's a mm. 12 to 4 p.m. and mm. a 4 to 8 TBD. I'm not sure. <laughs> but <laughs> it's cheaper to do. <laughs> <laughs> you can do an earlier ticket. I think it's cheaper to do like the 12 to 4 on the Saturday. Mm. There is an admission fee. I believe it's $25 prepaid if you order ahead. In addition to that, you buy either beer tickets or beer as you go, or okay. you can pay for an unlimited five ounce oh. sample or sampling. So you get a little five ounce glass and you can go around for 35 bucks and try all the different German beers, local be breweries fun. in town. So they have a lot of different German breweries like on okay. tap, but they'll have local places as well. So you got two days, you get two chances to check it out, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. And again, it's a, it's at a big fairgrounds in in Cary. I can't remember exactly hmm. where, but um, I don't know. If you go to triangleoctoberfest.org, you can find out more information about Are you the admissions. commissions. For this? I wish. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, I'm hoping that maybe if I plug all these, like one of them will They'll comp, reach out. Will comp the admission oh, or something. But that's a pipe dream. I miss. I just love Oktoberfest season. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, go to triangleoctoberfest.org if you're interested in that one. If you're in the triangle area. Two-day opportunity, October 6th and 7th. And then there's one more that we had that we probably missed a few, but uh, the Hickory Oktoberfest, which is October 13th, 14th, and 15th. So a big three-day event, which is kind of more on par with the traditional German Oktoberfest, where it's a multi-day affair. But this has different food vendors, drink venues, or drink vendors. It's... An annual event, I think this has been going on for over 30 years. It was co-founded by a German, Adolphus Schuford. And so I guess the city of Hickory actually has more German heritage and culture than I realized. Yeah. And so it's a big, big attraction that they have there every year. And it, they have it on for three days. And so music, there's Q 
kids events there's beer tents food craft fairs how fun so it's like a, you, know, you can have the whole family come out too they have a lot of things for the <laughs> your for kids, the kids can too, DD. So. <laughs> it's perfect <laughs> yeah check that one out on downtownhickory.com if you're interested in that one i believe that one is basically you just pay for whatever yeah. you indulge in so it is downtown in like historic hickory north carolina so that would be a cool one maybe but yeah a lot of a lot of them that's just kind of cresting i think the the <laughs> tip of the iceberg of Oktoberfest around here it's countdown is on and that's just in north carolina so <laughs> but yeah so we have some of those on our radar but you know what else is on our radar cracking another beer cracking another beer Jen's going to fish out something that she picked from Emporium. Ooh, nice crack. All right, this is Pony Source's Dry Hopped Smash Ale. It's actually a collab with Little Oblivion Brewing. Little Oblivion. I am not sure where they are located. I'll check that out. Um, what style did you say it was? I'm sorry. It is a dry hopped smash pale ale. Wow. Um, it is with Pacific Sunrise hops and Star Party yeast. Star Party yeast. Okay. So Little Oblivion Brewing Company is located in Graham, North Carolina. Okay. Established in 2022, so very young. Nice to see Pony Service do a collab with Graham-based... Little Oblivion. Yeah, we love Ponysaurus. Um, I think I've enjoyed every beer I've had from them. And just yeah. seemed like a really fun vibe when you go. I think we stop every time we're in Durham. Smells hoppy, but not overly so. Maybe because it's still fresh out the fridge. Get that fridge kind of like it's muting the, the fridge cold is muting the a little bit but mine also has a little more head than yours so i think i'm getting oh. a touch more aroma on the nose it's very nice not too sweet mm -hmm. yeah right initially i'm getting some like grassy vegetal hop aroma and then it does kind of provide a little bit more on deeper inhales like yeah some kind of some kind of fruit, if it's, I don't know if it's citrus necessarily, but Stand could be some, fruit, some melon, yeah. <laughs> some kind of like fleshy fruit, I feel like. But also I get some like malt on the nose, which is not always, uh -huh. you know, with a pale ale, especially one that might be aggressively hopped, you don't often get a ton of malt on the nose. Like you might get it when you take a sip, but. I'm just a, I'm a novice in beer describing me so. too. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it. I feel like I'm not doing Joe justice here. But it is yummy, I can say. Ooh. Really clean. It's not bitter. Very clean. I thought it might be a no. little bit grassy and bitter. I thought so too because it's dry. Maybe hot. some of that like resin coming through to kind of like leave a like a pine cone cakey layer on the tongue that that bitterness that kind of lasts with some of these grassy resinous beers, but it's really balanced. It's really clean. I think you meant, yeah, it's like 
borderline a little bit sweet, but not, not overly sweet. Yeah. And it's like just a tiny bit bitter, but not overly bitter either. I think this is a really good like introduction into, you know, more hopped mm-hmm. beer for someone who typically Fair. sticks with their Definitely. like Pilsners or Kolsch's or shies away from hops. Yeah. What was the yeast you said? I was going to look that up to Party. see. Star Party Yeast. Star Party Yeast. Yeah. Is that not a common? <laughs> oh, it's a thialized, um, it's a thialized yeast. So we've talked a little bit about thiols and some things like the Phantasm powder. Oh. So that's interesting. Star Party is, so it's a thialized version of the Chico strain yeast, hmm. which is used for a lot of West Coast ales. So it's got aromas of passion fruit, dank, pink guava, and citrus zest. See, we're back to pat- passion fruit and, and, <laughs> and guava. And guava. It's like in everything. <laughs> that was Elsie's um, pick, wasn't it? Yeah. Last week. <laughs> and so maybe, you. I think that's like my, whenever I just can't describe it and I think of like fleshy fruit, maybe. <laughs> maybe just say passion fruit. That should be my guess going forward is passion fruit or guava. If it's, Nick, this is a stout. <laughs> <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> So, yeah, Star Party, that's interesting. You know, I think the thialized yeast and those additives, those like thiols that people are putting in beer to kind of, you know, what am I trying to say? Like, produce a little more of that. Impart the flavor. Yeah. Without like. Like an amplifier. Right. But I like this because it is. I've not had a lot of beers that have like thialized yeast strains or Mm-mm. powders added like the phantasm, but those that I have, like there is a more pronounced like sweetness from those like fruit derivations. So like hmm. in this case, passion fruit guava is supposed to be there. So I think that's why it's coming across a little more sweet than it probably would have as just a base recipe. But with that particular yeast strain, yeah, it's almost like it's, bringing that to the forefront and showcasing that. Hmm. Wow. I really like this beer. Yeah. Very yummy. We didn't have any doubts though from Ponysaurus. Well, now I want to check out Little Oblivion just by their association with Ponysaurus. (laughs) It must be cool. You know what else is cool? What? Getting a beer flight at a brewery. I think I might get a flight when we go to Little Oblivion. (laughs) Here we are once again making. Once again, here I am. Once again, once again making a terrible segue. I'm trying to do my best Joe impression, um, but I failed miserably. Uh, well, so don't know how else to segue into talking about beer flights, but uh, like you mentioned, Little Oblivion. Maybe if we visit, we'd want to get a flight. Yeah, I think that's an interesting topic that you kind of talked to me about, and I said, you know. There are times and places where I will maybe be more inclined to want a flight or to get a flight. I think I'm more inclined usually between the two of us to get a flight, but it it absolutely depends on where we are and circumstances. Um, Looking a little bit into the history of beer flights, no one really knows when they started. It's not like they wrote this down for a history book um, at some point, but... Um, most speculate that 
really the rise and the popularity with flights also came along with the rise in popularity of craft of the craft beer industry in the U.S., um, which makes sense as these breweries were producing all different styles of beer. There's going to be someone who walks in and wants to try one of everything right. or, or one of four of their <laughs> options if they can. Um, so that's really the thought of why beer flights were started. Um, there's also some debate into the terminology of why it's called a flight mm-hmm. versus something else. And um, it looks like really the term was used for other like foods or drinks prior, I think prior to the popularity of beer flights, craft beer flights. Um, it looks like the term term was first used in the 1970s. Um, and there's thoughts of, you know, it can either be seen as the flight, you know, thinking about a flock of birds, like a collective group of things flying can be referred to as a flight. So maybe we're thinking, okay, a collective group or pairing of beers. Right. Um, but then there's another thought of like a flight of stairs. So thinking about each beer kind of building potentially on the last one, like how stairs um, are. So kind of interesting just thinking about the history and why um, people got into flights. There's different types of flights that people can get. So I think um, the traditional, when we think of flights or when we're saying flights, we're thinking of different beers produced mm-hmm. by the same brewery or like brewed on how in-house. Um, you can also consider like a single style beer. So if you're an IPA gal, you can just get a bunch of IPAs and kind of like the flight I built for Joe and Nick two or three episodes back now. Um, that could be something you consider where you try a bunch of different IPAs to just taste the nuances or a bunch of stouts and taste the nuances. But there's also something called a vertical flight, which is much less popular because it has to do with the different vintages of beers that are available. So thinking about like Mother Earth we have here in our backyard um, in Kinston. They released the Silent Night every year. This I think it's a stout, correct? Not a porter? Yeah, it's a barrel-aged stout, yep. So they released this new stout every year, and so it would be looking at, okay, I'll have a 2019 vintage and a 2017 vintage, and then one from this year and one from last year, and tasting, trying to differentiate between all the nuances. Um And so I haven't had one of those types of flights. I think it'd be really neat. I doubt many breweries actually offer those. It's probably something we'd have to be conscious in getting the bottles at the the year that they come out and then building our own flight in five years. But it seems like a really neat concept. Yeah. And, you know, I think my first experience really doing a vertical flight or vertical Mm -hmm. tasting was with the Goose Island, Bergen County Stouts. Because those typically are a little bit easier to find the the vintage years. You know, year after year, they will have those out and available to where you can get one from one to two years prior. Yeah. Or if you're really patient, you can kind of collect them over the course of three or four years and then taste them mm-hmm. side by side. But, yeah, it, it is really rare to find the opportunity to do that at a brewery because most of them aren't going to have their no. vintage releases on tap or like readily available outside of having, you know, a bottle. And those bombers typically are just going to be for sale to take home. Right. So 
but definitely an interesting practice to try when you have the opportunity is to have yeah the same beer but whether it's from year to year or it's like hey this this iteration was aged an extra year hmm. or it was aged in different barrels or it was aged in this barrels and then we added in in the case of like silent night the, you know added some cocoa nibs and hmm. you know some other adjuncts to kind of create that mexican hot chocolate the uh, noche silenciosa mm-hmm. so it's a really fun activity if you're just wanting to like try different iterations of a beer from year to year or minor changes like i know with silent night they kind of do a reserve and a grand reserve mm. variety using different barrels aging for different intervals so yeah i i hadn't really thought about how there's actually a term for yeah. the horizontal flight, which is just like what you said at a brewery, you're just trying four different beers from the same brewer. Mm-hmm. So kind of interesting that there actually is terminology out there that I wasn't really familiar with. Yeah. But yeah, I think the, you know, the history is interesting. And then it hasn't really been besides maybe getting a lot of small pours kind of served collectively of the same beer that that practice has probably been in existence for a while, but with the craft boom, as you mentioned, I think that really kind of like accelerated things to where we are now. And now we go to a brewery and like most of them are ready to have a flight board pulled out mm-hmm. and small glasses and, you know, four to f- maybe six or eight, <laughs> I think, depending on where you go. Like 20. S- some of them have, Ten. yeah, I know Joe and Lauren have yeah. actually been to a place in, I think Wyoming. I think that's Wyoming. And it was like 10 beers per person yeah. per flight. I mean, and it's, and th- those I think are more curated where you don't really have the option to select the beers, but mm-hmm. you do get that many different pours, which is great if you're traveling from across the country. Oh yeah. And have an afternoon. <laughs> yeah. And a ride home. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we were just in California in June, went to Burning Barrel Brewing Company uh-huh. which is outside of Sacramento mm-hmm. and you order a flight and which is not uncommon. I know when we travel a lot, like you said, you're, you're more prone to get a flight, but then you came back to the table and it was <laughs> this large, like it was a, not just a paddle. I mean, it was like a, it was, it was like, like a, a two by six <laughs> and it had six of these like, like tulip glasses, like yes. full size. Yes. It was the they full, full size. Cord. They weren't full pours, but I think that's what, like, made it look much more intimidating. But it was still, like, I think when they serve them in those full-size glasses, too, there's a tendency to overfill from the five ounces. But it was six options, five ounces, more like five to six ounces. It was a lot of beer. And everyone else just got a normal pint. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I had a great time. Yeah. And that's what it's about. I mean, again, we were traveling. We were in a different yeah, state. so We didn't go back, and I got to try six many. of their beers. But, yes, I mean, traditionally you're going to see four to maybe five or six. I, I think four seems to be more common these days. I see five yeah. sometimes. But then again, it's just more glasses you have to keep up with, and, mm-hmm. and you know, especially with those you know, small taste, taster glasses. And... Again, if you do a, a you know a flight of four, there's probably more likelihood somebody might get another beer after that, or maybe even a second right. flight. Versus 
the flight you got was kind of oh, like you're I done after done. that. <laughs> you're done. Especially when they have beers on tap that are right. cresting double digits. So, and you can argue too, like if you like a nice crispy cold beer, or if you get a flight of lagers, by the time you get to the last couple beers, those are no longer mm-hmm. nice and cold. Like they're yeah. pretty warm. So you got to think about that as well. Yeah. So, you know, why or when? Should you get a flight? We've kind of talked about a little bit of that. I think traveling is probably the biggest one for me Mm -hmm. or going to a new brewery for the first time where I I know I haven't had a single thing on the menu. Yeah. And and particularly if it's going to be maybe a shorter visit and I'm not going to be able to come back here for a while, I'd like to be able to try maybe four, five, six, depending on how many Mm -hmm. they're going to pour for me, that many different beers from the one brewery because... Again, proximity, location, availability plays into that a lot. Right. And again, I think part of it is those smaller pours can give you the opportunity to, you know, you feel like you're kind of sipping, you're enjoying, you're not working through a pint, you're working through like four to five or six pours of like five ounces, maybe less. Yeah. So... I think it also can depend a little bit on your your plan for the evening. I think so. I think your plan for the evening. I think, too, you know, you guys have talked a lot on this podcast about food and beer pairing. I think if you are, like, having a meal, just stick to one pint and then get a flight after or something. But you don't want to be dealing with a flight mm-hmm. during your meal. I think that's one. Like, for me, I would stick with just a pint. I also think about, too, you know, what's your goal for the flight? Is it to just try a bunch of different beers? And depending on who you're with, like, knowing my family, like, we're all going to try each other's beers. So if you're with a group that isn't into sharing drinks, then I would be more inclined to get a flight so I can try a bunch Mm -hmm. versus I feel like we make our own (laughs) flights when we're just trying each other's. Yeah, and I think the other thing that, makes my mind up whether or not to get a flight or just a pint somewhere is looking at the draft menu. And yeah. if I see f- like at least two or three that I really want to try, but I know I don't have the capacity <laughs> don't have for it. In me. <laughs> so then I can reduce the, the volume and just get yeah. that many, you know, t- to add up to maybe 20 ounces versus getting one 20 ounce beer. Right. So if I, if I'm kind of just set on one beer like this time of year, if I go somewhere and they have a fest beer or Meritson, that's I'll it. I'll get a full pour of that. And, you know, <laughs> we no were, more. again, we were in Minnesota. Talk about traveling a lot. We were in Minnesota mm-hmm. and we went somewhere and they had a, a Meritson on tap. And I said, I'm going to get this. <laughs> Granted, they also were out of flight board. Or no, they were out of uh, the they flight were, glasses, the glasses. So yeah. that kind of played into it. They didn't have enough glasses to I will pour say me a too. flight. <laughs> If the beer tender looks angry or looks like they've had a bad day, maybe don't get a flight. I feel like they're not the easiest thing, and it's a lot more work for them. So you, that's probably why you see flights a little pricier than just your typical pint, even for the same volume. Yeah. Well, and I know locally here, when we go to Tapped, which is a, a self, tap well, house. not self-pour, it's a it's tap house. They've got about 40 to 50 beers, ciders, seltzers on tap. And then they have a, a bottle shop in house too. I like to do flights there because mm-hmm. the, they're actually beers from different places. They're not from the same brewery, which 
I know the availability of all those different beers is going to lead me to want to get four different kinds just because it's not often when you're in a position where you can get access to maybe 10 to 20 different breweries. And that's being right. like moderate. There's probably yeah. usually most 20. beers on tap are of a different brewery right. at any given time. So that's maybe another factor that plays into it. If it is like a tap house where I have a, a large list of beers in front of me, I'm more inclined to get smaller pours so I can yeah. try more. Kind of like Emporium as well, which is a you know self-pour. But yeah. same concept. Build your own flight. Yeah, you can kind of build your own flight. <laughs> yeah. I think... Um, yeah, I think when traveling is more often when we get flights. I'm trying to think. I think Tapped is really the only place I get a flight in town, unless we haven't been to Local Oak in a while. Mm-hmm. And I think I'll get a flight there. Um, what's nice, too, about um, places that do offer flights is um, usually if they offer a flight, then they also will offer you to get just one five-ounce pour or one... A small pour. Small yeah. pour, and so I'll do that as well. If you just have two you want to try and you get a pint of one thing and then you get just a little baby pour of something else, it's nice to mm-hmm. try something baby new. Pour. Baby pour. Yeah, so that's kind of our thoughts and, and I think general consensus about you know why, why choose to do that. If you're not somebody who's a big fan of f- flights, maybe mm-hmm. we've kind of encouraged you to do so or try it out, but... So when you're at a brewery or at a tap room and you're trying to decide on making a flight, like maybe mm-hmm. this is something you do all the time or it's the first time. I'll start by saying, I don't think you really can go wrong on how you build your <laughs> flight. There are some people that are more opinionated and we've read some blogs today that really kind of guide people to make more of like a structured decision. Yeah. I think really... The benefits by doing a flight is that you get to try something maybe you're not sure you're going to enjoy or yeah. it's a style you don't have a lot and you're not committing to a full pour. And so I think it gives you the opportunity to kind of be, you know, it's like liberating. You can Absolutely. try something. But yeah. at the same time, I think maybe you have a one or two styles you really enjoy. And so there's nothing wrong with getting a flight that's, made up of all those different right. styles you like. So don't let anybody gatekeep you yeah. to what how you can make your flight. But yeah. I will Unless s- they're pre built. <laughs> In that case, don't argue and just go with it. <laughs> Whatever they tell you, you just This is prefect. <laughs> yeah. Uh and which is, you know, that is the case some some places. Yeah. Like Wicked Weed in Nashville, I think they only have mm. prefects. Yeah, so but when you are building your flight I think the most important thing to think about is one, if you are going to have a bunch of different styles mm-hmm. mixed in, so you have four, five, six, I keep just giving that range for sake of convenience. Let's just say it's four. You have four, four beers in the flight <laughs> and they're all different. Let's say you're trying to just try it, you know, a couple of different styles you've never had before, mm-hmm. throw in a couple of familiar favorites. The order that they pour them really isn't that important. Like, however you relate it to them, it's how they're going to set it up, and they'll give you a guide or a key right. showing you which is which, if you forget. I think what it comes... The more the more important part of it comes in when, you, when you're consuming it, because as we've talked about multiple times on this podcast, 
different beers are going to affect your palate in a harsher way versus in a more moderate way. So right now we're you know we had this Oktoberfest lager, very clean, very light beer, maybe slightly sweet, but it's malty and you have a sip of water and your palate is basically washed. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of I think having, you know, a pilsner or a lager in the summertime is it's just it's clean, it's refreshing. Yeah. Now you get into things like sours that have a lot of acidity or IPAs that can be really bitter or an imperial stout which has, you know, a really thick mouthfeel and a lot of that roasty bitterness. Mm-hmm. Some of those things can linger and they can actually like blend into the beer that you follow that with. So if you're having a flight, you have to kind of be cognizant of about what you've had prior to mm-hmm. that beer. So if you're working your way down, there is some kind of strategy to that. One strategy is just look at the color, yeah. work your way from light to dark. Yeah. That's not a bad rule of thumb because generally that's going to serve you well. Now, we know some light beers can be really pungent or really aggressive. You know, we're talking about a really bitter IPA, a West Coast. Mm-hmm. Those hops are going to linger. You might have a Berlin Weisse, which is tart, sour, uh, something with a lot of lacto that's going to leave that kind of coating, that film on your tongue where it's almost like eating a really sour candy and your, mm. your tongue is like raw. Mm-hmm. It's hard to eliminate some of that. So I think that's one strategy is just work from light to dark so that you kind of leave yourself the opportunity to cleanse your palate, get it reset. Mm-hmm. Now, don't rely only on time to <laughs> clean your palate. I recommend things like water in between each sample. It may not be the most convenient thing, but ask the bartender for a glass of water. You probably need some water anyways. Well, yeah, exactly. You're going to hydrate, so you're doing yourself a favor. <laughs> um, and, you know, cleanse that palate out in between each beer. You do yourself a favor. I also didn't mention this, but I'm partial to doing one beer at a time for a flight. Yes. Some people yeah. will work their way through, like, a sip at a time that to each one. That is chaotic. Like, what do you... <laughs> do not recommend. <laughs> yeah, I don't recommend it. I'm glad you're on the same page. But I think by doing so... Um, by, by doing singular beers, working your way down, um, you give yourself the chance to really focus on the one beer, mm-hmm. get some water, maybe a cracker or a pretzel or something oh, to kind of say no pre- more. Pretzel. <laughs> Pretzel's a magic word. So that'll give you the opportunity to cleanse that palate, get a reset. Then you move on to the next one. Yeah. And with that strategy, I think you really have more flexibility with how you progress in your flight. Right. Uh, it, it, again, People will stress the importance of trying to avoid the really harsh, bitter, dark, maybe like roasty malt beers until at the very end because there's this this real thing that like that those components will linger longer. Like bitterness, mm-hmm. tannic things, astringent things will like linger longer in your palate. So it's harder to kind of flush that out. Yeah. So if you have a lager, if you have something that's very clean, malty, probably best to get that first just... For one, it's going to be colder. You're going to right. enjoy it more. Right. And two, you'll have a better, your palate will be more neutral at that point. Yeah, I agree. I did see, um, it depends on the sour that you get, but I did see um, some people recommending using a sour as your palate cleanser. So like between your IPA and your stout, I think about like 
lemon sherbet during like a 12 course meal or, or something like, like that a ginger which is not sour but it's yeah it's a pretty aggressive flavor yeah people use it as a palate cleanser too. yeah so something like that which is interesting um i usually employ two for myself i use a flight to just challenge myself to try something that i wouldn't get a pint of so um not always the biggest sour or stout fan but Every time I get a flight, I'll get something that I would not have gotten before. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's fun. Um, kind of broadens your horizons a little bit. Yeah. Pushes you out of your comfort zone. Right. And like, oh, I ruled off stouts, but I like this one a lot. And like, mm-hmm. I know what to look for to find a stout that I like. Um, Nick has talked a lot about, you know, like different styles and getting different styles um and then we also talked a little bit about getting you know all the same style which it can be if you get an aggressive style like an ipa it can be difficult to really cleanse your palate fully or even stouts i feel like that would just be uh Mm -hmm. that would be a tough flight to get through (laughs) when i think we talked about the horizontal versus the vertical flights the vertical ones are tricky especially because in bet. most cases they are like stouts. barrel aged stouts yeah. or imperial stouts to get yourself reset, get that palate cleansed so that you can taste the next one and notice any kind of nuance or mm-hmm. difference between one beer to the next is hard. Right. It does take time. I think you have the benefit of time because it's just, you know, those kind of styles you can have a little bit more warm or, uh, they, they don't have to be as chilled. It's yeah. actually preferred to be, you know, a, a higher temp than you would normally serve a beer. Yeah. But that, that way you can get out those uh, little nuances. But, yeah, right. it definitely is more tricky, I think, to to get a palate cleanse oh, or a reset yeah. when you're doing uh, a vertical flight versus a you know horizontal flight. Right. Um, I also mm-hmm. saw there are some flights... Um, where folks can get like all German style beers or all Belgian style beers, which I think is really neat and something, you know, just in town here, we don't have a lot of like, we don't have a German brewery. I know there are Mm -hmm. some places like when we're in California, there was a German brewery we went to and then in Minneapolis as well, but we don't have that. And so if we go somewhere and there's German styles or even go to tapped, which is a tap house, you know, like saying, Oh, I'm going to try all German styles today. I think yeah. that would, that's a fun concept. Um, I also saw like people do seasonal. So I'm, sh- I'm sure there's been some kind of pumpkin flight out there oh, yeah. um, in the fall or even in the winter, you know, like a winter warmer or um, some other winter beers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, There's like gingerbread stouts, yeah, stuff like that. I think you get a lot of like cardamom and yeah, like ginger flavors in the winter time. Yeah, spiced. I think that's an interesting concept. Doing the country of origin as a flight itself, yeah. but like I think again, you you have the flexibility to make your flight. But there's so many ideas or like themes you can go with. Like you mentioned, doing all of one country of origin. You can do all of one style, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also kind of do, you know, all lagers, all mm-hmm. ales. I mean, you can even kind of split those two branches of beers out. Right. Or you can just kind of go chaotic and just <laughs> get a seltzer, a cider, That's a stout, <laughs> a Russian imperial stout and a... And mix them all in one glass. <laughs> yeah, suicide, like a suicide, yeah. 
Or, uh, it's probably not a good word to use anymore, probably but not. that's what we used to call it. But when you mix all your sodas together, yeah. But I, I really, I really do think the best part about flights is that they're fun. They feel like they feel quirky. Fun. <laughs> they feel you know exciting because yeah. you feel like you're you're doing something. You feel really involved in yeah. the like drinking process besides just picking a beer off a menu you've made a custom beer flight right from the options available to you and either you're being adventurous and trying something new or you're visiting some of your favorite styles you know maybe you're on vacation and you really want to just get the most out of a visit to a brewery that you may not see ever again right and so there's something liberating about having the choice to design it how you choose I agree have multiple options because if you're someone who is indecisive like you have <laughs> you have the opportunity just to make thank god you don't have to make one decision finally <laughs> so i think there's a lot of pros and cons mostly pros to flights yeah um and and again i think we like talked about like there's a time and place maybe where it's more favorable to do that but you know I think the the big big takeaway for me was that you have flexibility. There are recommendations and there are themes that you can kind of follow mm-hmm. and employ with your next flight. Especially if you've maybe done a flight and said, "I don't know why I'm doing this because you know I I, I taste this beer because I next, don't like beer. Yeah, these beers don't <laughs> go I good do? together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so maybe you're just like, hey, I just need to start doing the lighter the cleaner lager first and then i end with this beer that is darker roasty bitter right um i don't think there's a wrong way to build a flight i think get what you want mm -hmm. get what you're gonna enjoy drinking or enjoy trying but i think there can be a good way to drink it in terms of order and i think that's really like what I would focus on in terms of after I've gotten a flight, mm-hmm. just whatever the best order is to drink it in. Yeah. And honestly, before today, I hadn't thought too much about it, but <laughs> I hadn't either. I, I go right to, or left to right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whatever I ordered. Yeah. And I may have been haphazard with how I made up my mind. Probably with the, was. <laughs> the four beer selections, but. You know, definitely I, I realize now I could do myself some favors by trying some different methods as far as consuming the flight. But, you know, we're pro-flight. Whether whether or not you are, you know, that's to be determined. But, well, so we don't have well. LC here, but Jen has graciously stepped in to provide a blind tasting for me. So I'm going in without any knowledge of this beer. I'm got my eyes closed. Jen knows what it is, of course, but I'm going to employ the same LC's pick of the week practice and see if I can correctly guess this style. Okay, so definitely mall forward roasty. It's got a bit of porter or a stout vibe going on right now i can hear the the bubbles i mean it must have been a pretty decent head on this which is yeah you know 
Not always the case for a darker style, if it is indeed a porter or a stout. But definitely roasty, bitter smelling, stout, porter. I'm leaning towards stout, but I don't, don't have enough info yet, so I'm going to take a drink. Hmm. Yeah, on my first drink here, I took a pretty big gulp. It is pretty roasty. Definitely an espresso bean-esque flavor to it. It's got that like charred malt. Not a ton of sweetness either. I'm going to take a look. Oh yeah, very, very dark. I mean, it's so dark brown that really not getting any light to pass through it. Hmm. A little bit of little bit of light peeking through, but it's it's very, very dark. And it's got a very tan head that's still pretty prominent. That does your guess oh. change. <laughs> No, I, I'm still guessing stout, but I'm trying to get cheeky here and see if I can guess <laughs> even more specific. I don't think it's an imperial stout. I guess the only thing I can think at this point is maybe to add a... I could say it's supposed to be like a coffee stout, which it's not an official style, but I don't know. I want to say stout, and I, I, I'm going to say coffee is a prominent component mm. final answer yeah okay this is an oatmeal style oatmeal stout from okay. duck rabbit Ooh. it is the big bamboo oatmeal style it is 6.0 abv um i don't think it says a generous portion of oats in the grist affords a luxurious silky mouthfeel to this rich stout our oatmeal stout is comforting and classic kick back relax and enjoy very nice and it is a really nice mouthfeel very smooth yeah i think it said silky mm-hmm. i like it oh, i just wore my duck rabbit shirt yesterday too i know Dang it. you've not had this yet either interesting i wonder if this is the first release it is in a can. I, I had a little insider scoop from Paul Philippon, the owner and brewer of Duck Rabbit, which is probably not that big of a secret or anything or any kind of scoop. But he said traditionally their flagship beers or their staples that they release yeah. year after year, they release in bottles and they use cans to release beers that maybe are a one time or really? a limited release. So found that tidbit to be in- interesting because, yeah. of course, they're milk stout, they're hoppy they bunny, bunnies. they do a Schwartz beer, they do a Baltic porter, they do a Russian imperial stout. I'm missing a few, but oyster. an oyster stout. So those are all typically bottled. And so then when they have a beer like this in a can, yeah. it's usually a limited release that, that may return, but... right. Not in the same capacity as their... If you look on their website, they have beers that are their year rounds, their seasonals that are, you know, still routine beers. Mm -hmm. 
I think at this point of the year we're getting into where they're going to release their uh, Meritson. So if it hasn't come out already, it should be soon. Nice. Yeah, I didn't think I'd seen it in the store before. Did you try this, actually? I did a little sip. Okay. I liked it. It is lighter. It's only six, six and a half, you said, mm-hmm. so. Nice selection. Yeah. It's pretty roasty, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It really is easy to drink. Um, pretty bitter. Yeah, and. And it does have that coffee. For an oatmeal stout, it is a little more bitter than I thought it might yeah. be. I, the mouthfeel totally makes sense, because. The oats has a you know that extra like starch. I think it kind of maybe adds to the silkiness. Yeah, a lot of oatmeal stouts tend to be really smooth and that not like milky mouthfeel, but it has like a creamy mouthfeel. Yeah. So, but the bitterness and the roastiness that kind of made me lean towards being yeah. more coffee forward. But um, I can definitely definitely see that. So good, interesting. Yeah. We've gotten gone from a I know. A Meritson to I feel like we went in order well. Pale ale and yeah, so if that was a flight, right. I think that'd be the right order. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Inadvertently. <notes>, folks. <laughs> all right. Well, I thought it was interesting. What did you learn today in all of your research? <laughs> um you know, I thought the concept of a vertical flight was really neat. It makes me want to go get some silent night variations from um mother earth or you know goose island mm-hmm. i thought of goose island as well yep. just reading about that i think that would be neat and i think it'd be neat to do that with tasting notes to try to help you know guide our palate even though it might be burnt out by the end i i just thought the whole concept of a vertical flight was interesting and that was something i'm not I don't really consider when I think of a flight. Yeah, we're just so accustomed to the horizontal yeah. flight, which was a term yeah. that I learned. But What else did you learn? <laughs> besides that, yeah, so I think I hadn't really thought too much about how else to build a flight, like how to be conscious with that besides just what, <laughs> what beers I, I haven't tried. <laughs> Yeah. That's kind of my go-to. Yeah. You know, like you said, local oak or somewhere that's more local. If we haven't been there in a while, I might be inclined just to pick out beers that are new to me. Right. Because I've had other beers on the menu. Or if we're going somewhere out of town and it's a new place, I'm more inclined just to pick styles that I like. But mm-hmm. I think there's so many more interesting ways to think about building a flight, such as doing all beers of one style, if they have that option, or country of origin or maybe trying four beers that I'm not super accustomed to drinking or I'm, I'm I don't drink as often yeah you know I don't gravitate towards some styles as much as I do others and so maybe like an out of my comfort zone flight would be interesting but mm-hmm. I think stepping out of the the box of just picking four beers that are convenient or that I really enjoy the style of it kind of puts me in a position where I might find kind of a, a, a reinvigorated passion for a, a style yeah. that I've not, not really drank much or, you know, it kind of solidifies why I don't like yeah. it. <laughs> or I'm just like never drinking. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's just different ways to think about it and yeah. there's not any one way to build a style. And actually there's more ways to build a, a flight than I 
had really thought of before. But that about wraps us up for episode 63. So if you haven't already, follow us on our social medias and reach out if you'd like to engage. We are on Instagram at East Carolina Beer. We're on threads, same handle, East Carolina Beer. Facebook, East Carolina Beer and Brewing. You can find us on Twitter, a.k.a. X. I guess now it's just X. X. Twitter's just gone. So we're not really active too much on X, but you can find us on there at East Beer, our website, eastcarolinabeer.com, eastcarolinabeer at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email. And, of course, you can give us a review on podcast platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. And, you know, we're hoping to just really keep finding new topics so if you think of anything that would be interesting to you we like feedback that kind of led us to some recent topics that we've had on the show so uh-huh. engagement and feedback is always fun hope to hear from you guys soon and cheers cheers cheers